Good morning. Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Terry N and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, January 9th, and we are reading from the big book. We're on page X X X V I I I, the second paragraph starting with frothy emotional appeal, and we're just reading that one paragraph. Today's readers are The Twelve Steps, Nancy T., The Twelve Traditions, Christina L., readers of the text are Madeline R., Hoodie R., Uh, the newcomer greeter is Leon B., and our host for the second hour is Sandy W. The share IDs for yesterday, Tuesday, January 8th, for the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting is 12,392. That's 12392. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time meeting is 12,395. 12395. <clears throat> OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to compulsive, the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Nancy T. to please read the 12 steps. Thank you, Terry. Good morning, visionaries. Nancy T., recovered compulsive overeater in Lewiston, Idaho. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made a direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I'll pass. Thank you so much, Nancy T. I will now ask Christina L. to please read the Twelve Traditions. Good morning, this is Christina L. from Florida. Here's the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. 
Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for the opportunity to service, and I pass. Thank you, Christina L. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page XXVIII, second paragraph, starting with frothy emotional appeal, and we're just reading that one paragraph. I will now ask Madeline R. to please get us started. Hi, thank you. This is Madeline R., recovered in Pennsylvania. Frothy emotional appeal seldom suffices. The message which can interest and hold these alcoholic people must have depth and weight. In nearly all cases, their ideals must be grounded in a power greater than themselves if they are to create their lives. And when I realized yesterday that we would be on this paragraph today, I just happened to see that word frothy again. And you know, as a food aholic, I think about the word frothy and I think about it on the top of a warm or a cold beverage and that it's all foamy and 
it comes and it goes kind of like the ocean wave it comes and it goes it dissipates it looks pretty it seems exciting but it doesn't work kind of like that new year's resolution i get to do it all over again now this won't be a problem at all um doesn't work you know that frothiness comes and goes um it's seldom the fix uh, that we need. It doesn't suffice long enough. Um, the message can interest and hold these alcoholic. It must, I love that word, it's must. It's mentioned how many times in that paragraph because it's again in the next sentence. It must have depth and weight. And when I think about that, I have tried to drag so many people into these rooms. So many people had tried to drag me into these rooms with, but wait till you see and it will be wonderful and you will feel better. All frothy emotional appeal. The message that I received when I came definitely had depth and weight. Um, it was more than drama. It was more than a touchy, tear-breaking moment that lasted for 30 seconds until the next bite. Um, had depth, meaning it was profound. It was proven there were people that were attending my meetings and taking me through this book who had proven that if they made a decision about their foods, which was pretty easy to do when we sat down and thought about it, and then became determined to stick to this program of recovery, that a promise was most always received. And I could see it in their eyes. I could see it in their faces. I could hear it in their voices and in their willingness to go to any lengths to keep them clean and sober because they were willing to help me in any way. So our message, it can't just be an intellectual one, one that shows me that I could put on my suit and I can go to any meeting with briefcase in hand. I can go work any PowerPoint and I look all good on the outside. What am I mess on the inside? You know, our message needs to be one of depth and weight and be centered, must be grounded in a higher power. You know, I heard that there are no must, but there are a lot of darn well betters. I love that the big book specifically outlines must be grounded, must have depth and weight. The one that I receive to stay and the ones that I give to encourage people to be here. And that was my timer, so I want to leave all the time there is to share. And thanks for letting me be of service. Thanks so much, Madeline R. <clears throat> okay. Um, Len P. <laughs> was that Len? Yes. Okay. Larry Kay. Who would like to Larry Kay. Ginger C, Harlan G, Minky Lynn W, Barbara, Barbara E. All right, hold up a minute. Hold on, I can't write that fast. Len P, Larry K, Ginger C, Harlan G, and Nessa R, and Liz, Liz S. You got in there. <laughs> okay, that's where we're going. R. Okay, Len P, followed by Larry K. This is Len P from California. Can I be heard? Yes, you've men. Ken. I was going to say May and Ken at the same time. <laughs> yeah, so um, calling from not so sunny California at, at uh, almost 4 a.m. here. Um, and uh, just have to say that this paragraph is so apropos. You know, I have a very dear friend in program who, who you know, I, you know, he's been in program for so long. 
and uh, he's on his way out. You know, he's going out. And, you know, I tried the frothy emotional appeal. You know, I, you know, I said, how can you throw away all this recovery? How can you do it? But the disease is a subtle foe and uh, it has, you know, it's uh, talons in him. And um, it's just such a horrible thing to see, you know, it's, and, you know, th- this happens every day in our rooms. You know, this happens every day in a way, you know, uh, I am just one bite away from full and complete and utter relapse. And the thing is, is even when I have a head full of big bucks, uh, I still can go out. And so the thing is, and this serves as a reminder, my friend who, who has amazing recovery, but he is not, you know, he's just not doing the deal anymore. He's not coming to meetings, not calling a sponsor, won't respond to anything. And even with the messages that I've left on his, you know, phone, and with the very much a frothy emotional appeal, uh, it's not there. You have to want this. And as my dear friend Harlan says, you have to be willing to crawl through broken glass to do this deal. And uh, this is what I have to do on a daily basis. I cannot rest on my laurels. I have to work this program every single day. And, um, you know, the thing is, is that, uh, you know, it serves as a reminder, you know, people who go out uh, in a way who have, you know, 20 plus years, um, you know, it just goes to show that, um, you know, we're only one bite away. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks so much. Len P. Larry K., you're up, followed by Ginger C. Thank you so much for your service. Uh, Larry K. recovered this morning. Yeah, I wanted to jump in on this and, and focus on that spiritual grounding. You know, this is, this is an essential. It's a must, right? And, um, you know, grounding, you know, we, we, we hear of like electrical grounding. You can ground some wires. What, what is grounding, spiritual grounding? It's often explained as sort of a contact with your, with your higher power. The power is flow. When you're grounded, it's flowing through you. And spiritual grounding is to be in touch with that, firmly, plant, firmly planted on the ground, right? And it, the meaning is just what it says. We're, we're connected to it. And grounding our, our thoughts, feelings, and spiritual experiences, it, it, these are all these non-physical aspects of being human. There's the physical deal of coming in and putting the food down, and that's, uh, that's an essential, right? We have to start there. But the non-physical aspects of the spiritual grounding is something different because, you know, we can, you can have lots of wonderful spiritual experiences without being grounded. You know, without being grounded, it can be difficult to integrate your experiences into your day-to-day life. So you can get terrific, terrific messages from the spirit and having no, utterly no way of making it real for you on a, in, in your daily in your day-to-day life, and that could be a very frustrating experience. So what they're what they're telling me here is we must be spiritually grounded. How am I going to become spiritually grounded? Well, for me, it began to unfold through the work and the steps, and the steps really did not give a flying rat's you know what about how I felt about them. I just had to do them, and I had to trust in the process. And then over time for me, like the dimmer switch that we hear, it began to come on and I began and I became spiritually grounded to the point where we, we experienced fundamental 
change, an internal shift in our very being. And then, you know, the food today, that, that doesn't call to me. Yes, the, the obsession was lifted. I still have the allergy, but the obsession was certainly lifted. And now I can live congruently because my walk is more comfortably aligned with my talk, and I, have to, I don't have to feel fraudulent. I still feel human, but not fraudulent. Do you know what I mean? That's what we're after here. We want a connection with this higher power so we can feel integrated and feel real. And I could look you in the eye, I can meet you, and I could, or I could talk to you, and you'll hear recovery. Hopefully you'll hear recovery because that's something that God did on my behalf because I'm spiritually grounded. With that, I pass. Thanks so much. Thank you, Larry Kay. Next up, we have Ginger C., followed by Harlan G. Hi, good morning. This is Ginger C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Colorado. And thank you so much for everyone doing service this morning. In nearly all cases, their ideals must, and I always circle the must, those are non-negotiable words, they must be grounded in a power greater than themselves if they are to recreate their lives. So again, that's another big word, that if. So if you want what these first 100 got, you have to do what they did. And, um, you know, we're talking a lot about entire abstinence, but more than that, you know, it's about a surrender piece and turning my will and my life over to the care of this amazing higher power that does for me what I could not, would not, and will not do. I am an addict through and through. I self-sabotage, I self-destruct, I have destroyed the first 50 of my life by living in a lie that these effects outside from God were my answer to be in my skin, to be alive and awake in this world. So thank God, I'm sorry, I just can't believe that it's this power that has brought me to this new experience, this new life that has been recreated, where first and foremost, there's no other effect from this God today, which is a miracle, because I put addictions down, and it's like whack-a-mole, another one pops up. And it's a game, and it's insane. And that finally got unplugged. I put the food down. I still yet had another effect. I would ask you today, your food's down, but are you seeking another effect outside from God? Because I sure did. But again, this grace loves us so much that that pain presses in and I'm done. And I surrender and I finally give up. And I come home like the prodigal son. And I'm getting drunk on God today. And you know what? I don't care because it's saving me. And with this pain on my heart today, the loss of a dog, and I have no effect again again from this God. And God shows up with these beautiful gifts like that moon last night that was so amazing. And it seems so simple, and it seems so crazy to be thinking that a moon could bring so much peace to a heart, but it just shows me that there's so much bigger than me and my thoughts and this disease that wants to constantly kill me by lies. So I'm so grateful that this God lies down deep within, and I just have to seek. I love that Silkworth says, I earnestly hope that you continue to pray. 
Because without that power between you and that bite, you will absolutely be eating. That is when the relapse begins, is when your power, that dimmer switch starts going down. And I pray that mine never does. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Ginger C. Next up, we have Harlan G., followed by Nessa R. Thank you very much, moderator, and thank you to Team Wednesday for making this meeting possible. When I look at this frothy emotional appeal seldom suffices, my mind goes back to November of 1934. We have Bill Wilson. He's been hospitalized twice. He has been drunk for a very long time. He, he, he had a period of sobriety, um, but in, on November 11th, he picked up liquor again and triggered the physical allergy. So since November 11th, he's been drinking. And who comes to see him with a message? The next-door neighbor? No. A doctor? No. Ebby Thatcher. Now, why is Ebby Thatcher part of the tapestry that God used to bring this vital, life-giving message to the world? Because Ebby's message had depth and weight because Bill Wilson knew that Ebby was an alcoholic of a type that was equal to the way he drank, equal to the way he thought about drinking, and how he reacted to liquor. Ebby was a perfect messenger to Bill Wilson. And Ebby had depth and weight because of his credibility with Bill being an alcoholic, as I said. Now, every single day at the North Scottsdale Fellowship Club, because we have treatment centers for alcohol and drug addiction here in the Phoenix area, there are white vans parked outside the 6 o'clock meetings that occur Monday through Friday. And in the white vans are people getting out who are in those treatment centers to come to listen to a meeting at the North Scottsdale Fellowship Club. Why? They're paying $30,000 for treatment. They're in group therapy all day, and they're being analyzed all day, and they're being watched all day. But what is the reason that they come to the North Scottsdale Fellowship Club? because the people that run those treatment centers know that in order for these people to be helped, they must hear a message from people who speak and understand the language of the heart. People who are afflicted with the twist of the mind and the allergy of the body. And in order for these people to recover, they must hear a message of depth and weight. We are each other's Ebby. We are each other's Ebby in the sense that we speak and understand the language of the heart. There's not a lot of information that we give besides the allergy in the body that you couldn't get at a doctor's office. But what is the difference? Because we are the only people that have been afflicted with this illness, and some of us have recovered, and we have recovered to the point where we are not eating compulsively, and because of a loving God, and because of a spiritual awakening, as the result of working these steps, like our hair is on fire, we are abstaining 
happily. That is not a message that you can get from the doctor's office. That is not a message that you can get on the radio or TV or in a pill. The only way you're going to get that message, the only way we're going to get that message is here in OA because we speak the language of the heart. With that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Harlan G. Next up, we have Nessa R., followed by Liz S. Thank you. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Nessa R., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto, Canada, um, recreating lives. Um, That's what I wanted to do all along, you know, even in active addiction. Um, But I was giving so much power to people in circumstances around me that I couldn't do it. Um, You know, my... My um, abdication of responsibility, you know, sounded like, you know, if only my house was different, um, then I'd be happy. If only my husband did this, then I wouldn't be so stressed out and I wouldn't have to eat and I, you know, wouldn't be so fat. Um, And there was always an excuse for why I couldn't do it. Um, You know, and what this program has shown me is that my circumstances are beyond my control. The only thing I can control is me. And if I want a different life, I have to take responsibility. You know, like the the slogan or the saying that says, if you want everything to change, you have to be willing to change everything. And, you know, the operative word there is you, meaning me. You know, I was waiting for everybody else to change everything so that I wouldn't have to eat, so that I, you know, wouldn't feel stressed out, so that I could be happy. And that didn't work, you know, and I tried. I tried. I manipulated. I fought. You know, sometimes I was nice and gentle, and sometimes I was like a bulldozer, but nothing really worked. And, you know, I finally got to a place where I said, you know, what do I have to lose? And I had to take responsibility starting with the food, you know, identifying all my food, um, all my trigger foods, my trigger ingredients, trigger behaviors, and abstaining from them 100%, and then working the steps exactly as outlined in the big book, you know, with the desperation of a drowning man. And then my life has been recreated in ways that I never thought would be possible. You know, without manipulating, without wishing that others or things were different, you know, my life just was. You know, it was, it, it's a, an amazing attitude readjustment that just happens as a result of, you know, having a reliable, loving, higher power, which I found through the work of these 12 steps. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa R. Next up, we have Liz S., followed by Dara. And I didn't get the, last in the, the first initial of your last name, Dara, when you come on. So, Liz S., please go ahead. Uh, it's Liz S. in New Hampshire. Um, this is one of my very favorite paragraphs. And um, when I was growing up and spent a good deal of my 20s in the disease, no one said a thing because I think they knew that they would be met with a great deal of anger, although my father often said, you'd be so pretty if, and I think many of us have heard that sentence. But I read an article written uh, anonymously um, by someone in OA, 
and that really hit home. Um, and I went to my first meeting, and someone talked about binging on lettuce, and then I really knew that I was home. And when I read this paragraph, what really touched me a great deal was the idea of recreating my life. And that's when I, you know, am very, very moved by the whole, just the whole nature of giving my life over to not only the steps, but to my higher power and having that opportunity to have a new life. But the recreating of my life through the steps and through my higher power, to me, that's a, it, it's an exciting, exhilarating opportunity because my old life is the life that I don't want. I want this new life. And when I see that, to have a chance to recreate my life, that's exactly what I want. And of course, there's work to be done, and there's a lot of work to be done, and there's, you know, quote-unquote, a price to be paid. But I'm willing to do the work, and I'm willing to pay the price. I'm willing to stop walking around with a lot of anger and to be entirely abstinent and to give my life over to this higher power. And I wanted to share that because, and also too, when I talk to people who are having trouble and people who are in the food, to share my experience. And that's all I can do is simply to share when I was there and that I was able to find an answer and that I was able to come out of it. And I have to leave it at that. And um, that's, that's all I can do and hope that that person finds it for her himself. And um, I can't convince anybody but to give my own experience strength and help. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Liz S. Next up, we have Dara. Minky. Dara, press star one. Okay. Um, One more time. Dara, are you out there? Press star one to unmute. Someone's unmuted. (laughs) Okay. All right. Um, Before we take any more names, I'm going to say where we... um, uh, We are on page XXVIII. At the second paragraph, Frothy Emotional Appeal, we're just reading that one paragraph commenting on both. Um, so who else would like to share? That's Melissa Kay. from the UK. Melissa Somebody from the UK. Magdalena. Kelly S. Somebody, somebody. Tina S. Kelly S. Tina S. Somebody. <laughs> oh, my. I can lay this one. Okay. Kelly S. Tina S. That's who, H? H? That's who I'm missing. Somebody H. Nikifa H. 
Nakifa. Nakifa H. Melissa C. Melissa C. Who's Barbara, B? Barbara E. No, who's who's before you? Was there somebody B? Shawnee B. Shawnee? Yeah. Shawnee B. Okay. Okay, we're gonna go with that. I have Madeline Magdalena, I'm sorry, Magdalena, somebody, Kelly S, Tina S, Nikifa H, Melissa C, and Shawnee B. Magdalena, please go ahead. <laughs> Thank you for your service. Magdalena W from the UK, uh, recovering compulsive overeater, restrictor, anorexic, bulimic. Uh, this paragraph really spoke to me. Um, this is how I was before I came into recovery. Proper emotional appeal. I sought out spiritual um, means of uh, recovering myself. It says, doesn't it, in the book that a spiritual solution is necessary. Carl Jung said that. And I sought it elsewhere, not in these rooms. And I um, tried on a daily basis to recreate my life using my own power that I was encouraged to have, the power of manifesting my own life and lots of other things that I did. Um, I'm sure it works for some people, but for um, an addict like myself, it, it did not work. I was still my own higher power. And um, it says here that my ideals must be grounded in a power greater than myself if I'm to recreate my life. And um, I see the frothy emotional appeal. It didn't have depth and weight. It wasn't real human beings coming to me that have depth and weight. Human beings have depth and weight. Human beings coming and sharing their experience, strength and hope in the way that I see here. It was... I was concerned with things of the head and things of the mind. Um, the message that I need, that needs to interest me, is the message that I get through working these steps. And the depth and weight comes in, you know, those first three steps when I find this power greater than myself and commit my life to that. I then clear the wreckage of my past and another human with depth and weight hears that as well as God. And then I look at my character defects and then I make my amends. That's the process of depth and weight that helps me recreate my life. What I did before didn't work for me. And I'm very grateful for what is on offer here. Thank you. I'll pass. Thank you so much, Magdalena. Kelly S., you're up, followed by Tina S. Good morning. This is Kelly S. Uh, recovered in Oklahoma. Um, so, my gosh, there's so much in this paragraph. It's hard to even know where to start. So, frothy emotional appeal seldom sufficed. I can tell you that for sure. It um, never stuck. And I loved Harlan's share because you guys' vision has been my Ebby. And, and, and it, this, they had to have depth and weight. And what does that mean for me, right? Um, I've been around for years. What I needed is I needed to hear people and who the problem had been solved who not only were being abstinent happily, as we hear, we put the food down, we're doing so happily, but we're learning how to do life. And how am I doing that? How am I recreating my life? You know, I need to see that people are doing this day in and day out because I've been around for so many years. I want to just see these people on the pink cloud. You know, I did the pink cloud. I've done it. 
I've had abstinence. I've had weight loss. I wanted to know how to recreate my life. I wanted to find out what this entire psychic change was. I'd read in the big book, this fourth dimension, the spiritual dimension that they talked about. And I, and I never knew what that was till I heard you guys. And that was this program of depth and weight that over the years by working these steps and what was it it took? It took this must be grounded and a power greater than ourselves. And what did I hear for years? Oh, there's no must. It's all suggestions. Um, there's several must in this program. And it is interesting that in this paragraph, this tiny little paragraph, there's two of them. Okay. So I'm going to give you guys another visual like I did yesterday. So I am like a Christmas junkie. And I always tell everybody Christmas threw up in my front yard. And so to save corners, you know, save money. When I first started out when I was younger, I would just, use any kind of extension cord out there, right? Because I've just got crap everywhere. And not the kind with the little three-prong grounded things, right? Those aren't supposed to be outside. But you know what? So what? You know what? They're cheaper. And I need a lot of them. So I would just plug everything up. Guess what? Every time it freaking rained, all my stuff would blow out. The lights would go out. All my inflatables would down on the ground. Nothing lasted, right? And so then I had to let everything dry out and have to replug them up. And all Christmas like that. So finally, I spent all the money. I got all the right things. I got the grounding things. And now my Christmas stuff stays up all Christmas long. And so you know what? I have to be grounded in a power greater than myself because nothing else is going to keep me on this path. Nothing else is going to keep me connected to God and keep me working these steps if I am not grounded in my higher power. Because, you know, it's a we program. I have to do it to you guys. But if I'm still trying to do it, you know, Without my higher power, I'm doing it alone. So it's with my higher power, with you guys, and, and no more frothy emotional appeal. And I'm just so grateful today to have heard this program of depth and weight. I know it's been around, but you guys are my Ebby, and I found out finally. Put the food down, follow the instructions in the big book, and here it is. Here it is. So don't give up if you're new or you're struggling like I was. Um, there is a solution. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Kelly S. Tina S., you're up, followed by Nakifa H. Thanks so much, Terry, for your service. Sorry. Tina S., recovered compulsive eater anorexic, <coughs> excuse me, in Florida. Wow, some great stuff I wasn't going to share this morning, but I couldn't help myself imagine that. Uh, I really heard some fabulous stuff, and that's why, you know, one day at a time, I keep doing this deal because the people that shared, they had the message that had depth and weight this morning for me, you know, and how I associate that frothy emotional appeal for me is human aid, you know, human aid failed us utterly, you know, so I had to have a power greater than myself that could restore me to sanity, you know, that could do for me what I could not do for myself or would not do or won't, you know, will not do. I love that, you know, uh, you know, one of the things that I know today that it tells me, in nearly all cases, and I loved it. It was just shared that there are two musts in this little paragraph, and, and that, again, for me, just reaffirms that these are suggestions, but if I don't take them, I don't have a recovery today. I don't have a life beyond my wildest dreams, which I do when I follow these specific directions in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous and, and the power um, grounded. I love that analogy too. I hate to cross talk, but that was just great. The previous share, you know, and that I'm going to recreate my life, you know, with God's direction. Thank you, God. Because I didn't want to live to see 30. And I, I turned 60 last year, you know, 30 years of being 
happy, joyous, and free. Most times, you know, uh, not always, but I knew where the answer was. And if I did the footwork, I would get what these people got if I did what they did, you know. And, and I love that I just hear all this stuff daily. And that's why I keep listening to this meeting. You know, I know this is just another meeting of Overeaters Anonymous, and I have to keep reminding myself because I can put anybody on a pedestal. But this is just another meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. But there are so, so many people that attend this meeting that have what I want. So I'll keep coming back with that or pass. Thank you so much, Tina S. Next up, we have Nakifa H., followed by Melissa C. Good morning. This is Nikifa H., and I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, I love the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and that's the reason I love Visions for You. And I appreciate a share, um, one of the shares that said that this is just another meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. And sometimes um, <clears throat> when I get on Vision, especially when I was a newcomer, um, well, I'm still a newcomer. Let's not get that mixed up at all. Um, when I was brand new and trying to dig my way out of the food, what I heard was mm, frothy emotional pill or somebody preaching at me or speaking from a place um, because they're recovered to to receive it on my end. I was receiving like um, people forgot what it was like, you know, um, the pain and the agony of withdrawing from my alcoholic food. And it can be a struggle sometimes, even now when I listen. Um, but luckily I know to come here and I know I'm familiar with the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and there are clear cut directions. Um, so, um, what reaches me and what I believe reaches somebody else is when I can keep it current when I keep it real and let you know that, yes, today I am recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, but I can still identify what it was like when um, the food was screaming at me and because that, that, that was real for me. That's my experience. And, yes, I want to stick to the solution, but I want that person to know that's still struggling. I get it. I'm right there with you. I'm not here to point, tell you, Dr. You have, you know, there are, no, there's no have to, but this is what I did, and let me show you, but that you still know that I know exactly what you're feeling at this very moment, and um, because that was important for me. That was important for me for somebody that was recovered to be able to identify. Don't just keep telling me what you did and how it worked, and tell me how it felt inside, you know. Um, I don't know. I'm just truly grateful today that the big book is is what it is for me in my program of recovery and that I can relate to it beyond the alcoholism that when I replace certain words, oh my god, that is that is me with with foods and behaviors and um and everything else and I don't care how hard somebody cried at me, you should do this and you're going to die. That meant nothing, you know? Because when you were done crying at me, I was going to eat. Um, so I'm grateful for vision because it comes directly out of the big book, and that's a message that just can't be tainted for me. So with that, I pass. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Nakifa H. Melissa C., you're up, followed by Shawnee B. Hi. Good morning, Terry. Thank you so much for your service this morning. It's Melissa C., recovered compulsive overeater in New York, and 
Yeah, that frothy emotional appeal, I, um, people crying at me did not work. And I had, um, you know, an experience that was like about 11 years ago where my mother-in-law, who's a very stoic woman, she's not weepy and she doesn't often cry, um, she sat across from me at my kitchen table. And my kids were really little. I was morbidly obese. And she started to tell me about how she lost her mother when she was a little girl. Her mother died when she was a small child. And how that was the worst thing in the world to happen to a little kid. And how um, my husband, you know, her, her son, lost his father when he was seven. So she got to experience that again now as a parent watching it happen to her, her son. And this woman who never cried started to cry and said to me, uh, Melissa, I'm terrified you're going to do this to my grandchildren. You're going to die. And, like, what could be heavier than that? What could be a deeper, heavier, more, you know, real, human, heart-to-heart display of emotion? And yet, I'm telling you, it didn't work. The emotional appeal did not work. You know what happened? I sat there so freaking uncomfortable, my skin crawling. I couldn't wait for her to leave. I couldn't look her in the eye. I was embarrassed. I was angry with her. And as soon as she left, I ate. You know, it doesn't work. And and what worked for me? I, I went to a meeting, um, and a beautiful woman who didn't know me from a hole in the wall didn't cry to me, didn't tell me I was killing myself, but she told my story. (laughs) She looked like nothing like I looked, but she looked like everything I wanted to look like. And she talked about stealing candy, and she talked about throwing garbage outside, you know, a moving vehicle. And and that was the message that had depth and weight, and, and that's what got my attention. And my ideals you know, came from the power that's greater than myself, um, my higher power, which I got via the 12 steps. I needed to follow the steps. That gave me my ideals. And, um, you know, and so when I speak to new people, when I speak to people, I really try never to appeal from that emotional standpoint, but I tell my story because that's what gives us depth and weight. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. Next up, we have Shawnee B, followed by Barbara E. I did get you, Barbara. <laughs> Shawnee B, please go ahead. Hi, this is Shawnee B, um, recovered compulsive eater um, in Mexico, actually, on vacation. Um, thank you so much for your service and for letting me share. So I think about, you know, my entire life just, you know, dying to lose weight and, um, when I think about like a frothy emotional appeal, it's like that, like that drama of like any new kind of supplement that I could take or any new diet that will like work and the excitement and the, the adrenaline. And um, when I came into program a little less than a year ago, it was full of a lot of dread. And if anything was like, if there was any good feeling, it was very subtle. Um, and I've come to realize in the past, months um that really all the drama in the supplements and all the drama and the losing the weight and all that um it didn't work 
And now I'm, you know, on vacation in Mexico and I'm like up at this hour doing a meeting, working my recovery. And, um, and that's what grounds me is to have a higher power and to have a fellowship and to have this recovery. And, um, I don't really have the words, but I'm so, so grateful to my higher power for bringing me here. Um, and each day guiding me in my next right thought in action, um, because uh, there's just no words. <laughs> Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Shawnee B. Next up, we have Barbara E. Oh, thank you so much. Frothy emotional appeal got me every time. I wanted to lose weight but keep on eating all my comfort foods. I heard and saw all the food and diet porn out there, and I bought into it. Programs that told me I could lose 13 pounds and 7 inches in a month, eating waffles and pretzels and burgers and ice cream, prepared and delivered right to my door. Programs that promised I could eat anything I wanted because there were zero points attached to them. And of course, I was always looking in all the wrong places. I wanted the quick, easy way. I thought I only had to get thin, and then I could start reinserting my comfort foods back into my life. I now knew enough. I could keep myself in check. I could keep the monster securely locked in its cage. It only took me five decades to learn that I was powerless to keep the monster in its cage. It always found a way of getting me to unlock the cage and let it out. Each time it took more of my self-esteem away and added more pounds to my body. I went right back to my old friends, the greasy, salty burgers and fries that I ate in the car in my room, the pasta and sweet flowery products that seduced me over and over, the programs and beliefs I had tried had no depth or weight, no suggestion that I needed a power greater than me. Failure sent me into a downward spiral of despair and depression. I knew this disease had me licked. I was hopeless. I was doomed. But wait. In 1996, I crawled into OA and I heard a message of hope. I heard I could recover. But first, I had to get a sponsor and do exactly what she told me to do and trust that I could and would be saved. But I couldn't skip any of the steps or the tools, and I had to be honest and willing and teachable and not listen to the siren songs of food and diet porn. I had to pick up the spiritual toolkit, pray and take action. The mnemonic push says it all for me. P, push, U, until, S, something, H, happens. When I took God into my heart, heart, a miracle did happen. It didn't happen quickly. It happened slowly. It really didn't start for me until I got through step nine and began in 10 and 11 and 12, working with others. Wonderful. It can happen for you, but it's in God's time. It wasn't in mine, and that's the truth of it for me. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Barbara E. It looks like we have time for one or two more. Nancy P. Nancy P. and Katie G. Got you. I got Nancy P. and Katie G. Nancy, go ahead. 
Hi, thanks for letting me share. Yeah, I um I come from I'm from Boston, the Boston area, and um you know I um have been in this program for a really long time, a really long time, and I've even been through the Big Book Step Study process once before, and it didn't take because abstinence was my goal. And um you know there's a lot of people around where I live that you know you go to meetings, I would go to face to face meetings, and they'd be like, oh my God, I was abstinent, and the pool guy came on time or the delivery guy came and I found a parking spot and, you know, it's all because I buy the broccoli. And I thought, always thought, you know, in addition to being like enraged all the time, like that's not what it's about, but I couldn't ever have put my finger on it. And so what I felt like I was surrounded by was a lot of recovery, a lot of abstinence, but the recovery itself was a mile wide and an inch deep, you know, like a frothy emotional appeal, crack the top. And, and it's, there's nothing there. There's no there there. And um, when I came into, um, you know, my, ex- I don't want to call it experience, but my, my previous knowledge of um, this program, I felt like I knew how to do everything, but I never, ever did it. And when I finally came, became desperate enough, to do what I was told exactly by someone in whom the problem had been solved on no uncertain terms, by the way, my sponsor is pragmatic would be probably the kindest word that I could use. And, um, you know, when I finally became, um, you know, desperate enough to do as I was told, then I got what they said. And until that, until I did that, I didn't get what they said. But as soon as I did that, I got what they said. And I love what the previous speaker said about, um, you know, for me also, nothing really gelled. I thought it was going to happen in real time. You know, when I read the doctor's opinion, I, you know, I absolutely believe and accept that I was powerless over food and that my life was unmanageable, et cetera, et cetera. None of that happened except for the fourth step. I wrote the fourth step at the fourth step. But it all gelled when I got to past step eight and nine, you know, around that time. But the good news is, even though I live in 10, 11, and 12 every day, I actually live in all the steps every day because I was talking to somebody on the phone earlier today. Just because I decide that I'm not going to gossip and ask for help and pray and don't gossip does not mean that I will never have the opportunity to um, not gossip again. And, um, and so, you know, I, the fellowship, the fellowship, the fellowship, that's what it's all about for me. You know, I, I work all these steps so that I can be of service to others and I work you know, be of service to others so that I can work all these steps. It's symbiotic. You can't have one without the other. You can't have the other without the one. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Um, Katie, it looks like we have about less than a minute. Would you like it? <laughs> Did you say 30 seconds? Because that's what I probably was thinking. <laughs> Katie, recovered, com- all right, recovered compulsive overeater. I just want to say how much frothy emotional appeal I give. Like, um, I'm such a good girl, you know what, I'm just going to do it tomorrow. Or I promise I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to begin this again tomorrow. And it's 55, but I guess what I, what I want to say is, um, you know, there's a famous person, and I'm going to brutalize this quote, but my actions are so loud that I cannot hear your words. So as a recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic, and bulimic today, what are my actions teaching the world? And with that, I pass. Perfect. Thank you so much, Katie G. And I apologize for all the people that were trying to get in there that I did not hear. I do the best that I can. 
Okay. Uh, thank you to everyone who did share. And please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study uh, immediately following closing. The share ID for today's meeting, Wednesday, January 9th, is 12,400-12400. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Would Hoodie R please read page 164? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning, Terry. This is Hoodie R, a compulsive overeater you covered today. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until 